Hi, everybody. Welcome back. This is the Flutie Flakes cast. I'm Doug Flutie, and thank you so much for joining and, and listening in. Uh, Super Bowl week. It's getting close, getting real, real near. Uh, everybody's pretty much done with their homework and, and prepared and ready to get rocking. So the, uh, the hype is just going through the roof and everybody talks matchups and what's going to change the game and all the bets on is an interception going to get thrown before a touchdown is scored? Is a sack going to happen before an interception? What, you know, all the coin toss, who's betting on what, uh, but it's going to get fun. Uh, and out in LA. So in a big time market, it's, it's going to be a blast and the hype is through the roof for me. Um, I had a great weekend. I, I pitched a bunch of baseball, uh, played a tournament. So I threw like 17 innings in a 36 hour window, like an idiot. And then I rushed out of there to go play my hockey game at night. Uh, I'm still 10 years old. And that is evident by my background. If you ever uh, get a look at some of the clips we put out, uh, I've got my Batman and Robin with my breeze and my Brady Jersey and my surfboard now is up. And there's a reason for the surfboard to be up today. Um, so anyway, Tom Brady uh, was on his podcast and kind of mentioned the fact that, you know, maybe six months from now, I might feel different, but I, I plan on retirement and it just starts all the talk. Um, I will say this about retirement. When you make a decision to retire, um, you really shouldn't make that announcement right at the end of a season because you are worn out, you are tired, you are just exhausted and ready to take a break and it makes it a little easier to say yeah i want to retire i always felt like you should wait a month or two and and analyze the whole situation but with tom's situation he probably knew he wanted to retire and uh made the announcement at the end of the year and did it in a week that wouldn't disrupt super bowl that wouldn't disrupt playoffs and i'm sure his timing of it was was planned out um that being said, you know, six months from now, there will always be a quarterback position available to Tom Brady. There will always be, if not necessarily due to injuries, but if Tom wanted to come back, there's going to be a window for him and somebody would, would go pick him up. I don't think he's ever going to do that. Uh, with, with the things he said, though, in his retirement, with the things he said, he kind of hinted to the fact that, you know, this is a family thing, and he thinks about what Giselle, his wife, uh, wants and what the family wants and the kids are growing up and all that so that enters into his decision um it may not always be about what tom wants but what's best for his family so that also throws that indication that maybe you think about i don't think it's going to happen i don't think he's going to take it a, a serious look at coming back because he doesn't want to mess with his legacy and bounce back and forth wind up being injured and wind up ending a career that way it's a great way to go out he had two of his best seasons ever right at the end of his career and I think he will stay retired. Go enjoy family life and do whatever it is you want to do, Tommy. Um, along those lines of people talking about retirement, the world's greatest surfer, Kelly Slater, uh, just won Pipeline again. I believe that's his eighth Pipeline championship out in Hawaii, the Bonsai Pipeline, at 49 years old. He will be 50 years old on Friday. And so then they start talking about retirement with Kelly. Kelly and Tom are good friends. They talk back and forth a little bit. Um, and I wanted to go here because it's so similar to what Tom Brady has done. Kelly Slater has 56 overall wins. He's 11-time world champion. He won it as the youngest at 20 years old. He's won it as the oldest at 39 years old. 10 years ago, he won the world championship. And yet, at 49 years old, he wins his eighth Bonsai Pipeline over on the North Shore in Hawaii. 
And uh, he rode, like I said, turned 50 on Friday. And it's just amazing because in the finals, he's up against a 22-year-old kid. And he goes and wins. And the way Kelly describes it is that, you know, he doesn't look at as him being 50 years old. He's like got 40 years of experience, you know. He, and the reason I, I talk about Kelly Slater is Kelly is a Brevard County. I live down in Melbourne Beach, Florida. He Kelly grew up up in Cocoa Beach in Brevard County, uh, just up the road and surfs. When growing up, surfs the, the break right here down just south of my house. And uh, so he's kind of a legend in this area before all that. He was a legend at 10 years old around here. I caught my first wave ever with Kelly Slater. Kelly pushing me. I was covering the Pro Bowl out in Hawaii. I had never really surfed. And the, the pro surfers are out in Hawaii for the Eddie, which is the big wave competition. And they're waiting for the waves to pick up. So we did a little uh, thing they wanted to do for NFL films to do uh, pro surfers teaching NFL players how to surf. So Drew Brees, Tony Gonzalez, and myself went out with Kelly Slater and a couple of the guys. And Kelly was, was my guy. And Kelly Slater was pushing me into my first waves that I ever caught. And actually, one of the first waves, I pearled. The nose of the board goes into the water, shoots back at Kelly. Kelly reaches up with his board and blocks my board. Cracks his board in half and breaks his board. I, I nearly killed the world's greatest surfer. So anyway, uh, it's really cool for me to see him just still battling and, and winning. And, you know, it, it's, it's similar to Nicholas winning his last Masters or, or uh, Mickelson winning at his age. And it's just, it's fun. It, it gives us all hope that, to continue on and play and do the things that we love to do and get there. I, I just, you know, that is a young man's sport. Yeah, I, people that have not surfed, you don't know what it's like to lay on your stomach for a few minutes paddling or, or for the day you're out there, you jump on your stomach to paddle and then you got to pop up on a board and bend back the other way. At 49 years old, that's not easy to do. And it's just amazing to watch Kelly Slater continue on and all the power to him. And I, I, yeah. And the thing about surfing is once they retire, they actually surf more. They just go out and surf every day for fun. So whatever Kelly does, uh, we love him around this area and uh, I wish him all the best. On to Super Bowl. It's Super Bowl week. Everybody fired up. Uh, Matt St Matthew, Matthew Stafford, they made a, a point of saying that his wife said that today, that uh, it, it, the people that actually know him call him Matthew. It's Matthew, not Matt. So uh, really excited for him to, to jump to L.A. to get to the Super Bowl in this manner. Um, he is a big play kind of guy, a guy that's that, uh, and I said it last week, it surprised me playing in Detroit, his entire career with four, number four in all time comebacks and fourth quarter comebacks. And, uh, that's pretty amazing to say that when he was a Detroit lion all these years, but the, the key matchup for this, and it's really watch, watch a Joe Burrow through the week. I mean, the, he's taken the Joe cool thing to a whole new level. It's like, let's just show all the video of Joe Namath back in the day, wearing his fur coats and his sunglasses and, uh, you know, the way he carries himself. I never had, I, I honestly think you keep your mouth shut. You go out there, you, you, you lay low. You don't give the media anything to run with because if, if things don't go your way, you don't want to give them ammunition, but he's been this way for, I just picture him at, um, LSU winning the championship and smoking the cigar after and walking. It's something that I could never pull off and to see him and the influence he's having right now on their younger generation. Uh, that's, that's extreme confidence. Again, the matchup for this Super Bowl, uh, the key matchup to watch is 
Uh, the Rams defensive line, their pass rush, most sacks through most pressures throughout the season, most wins in a defensive line versus offensive line throughout the season. Uh, the marquee names of, of um, Von Miller and uh, the big guy in the middle, Donald. Geez, I was drawing a blank on Aaron Donald's name. Uh, Aaron Donald, just a force, a guy you cannot block with one guy. You're going to need a little help from your guards and nose uh, on the nose all the time. Uh, which means guys are slow coming off for blitzes um, to secure that first and then bounce off to get your linebacker. But the, the thing about the Rams defense, they got a four, they can get there with the four man rush, which is the all time, all time winner on defense. They play more zone because of it. They allow themselves, they don't have to go man to man coverage in order to get pressure on the quarterback, which means not as many big plays. You've got to march the ball down the field. If you can pressure a quarterback with four man and play zone behind it, now the quick throw. See, when, when you play man to man behind a pass rush, quarterbacks like Mahomes or anyone, you can give a little ground, drift, and you don't have to be precise with the throw. It's man coverage. You can put it up and let your guy make a play. You can throw the ball with touch. You can put it in a spot and let him run. And there's avenues to throw the ball. When it's zoned behind the pressure, now the quarterback still needs to plant that foot and drill a ball versus zone coverage into tight windows. And it leads to interceptions. This is the point I'm trying to, to get to. So the, the key for Joe Burrow, there's going to be times where he gets sacked. He, he got sacked nine times against the Titans and still managed to win. But Tannehill threw interceptions, and that's not going to happen. You're going to have to protect the football. You're going to have to take a sack occasionally, but do not force the interception. Do not force the ball up the field just because you're getting pressured. Take a sack, throw it out of bounds over someone's head, live to play another down when those things happen. That's going to be the difference in the game. Can Joe Burrow still complete passes while pressured in his face and make some upfield plays without turning the ball over? And that, you know, when you talk about the pressures, the things you can do is put a tight end over the head of a Von Miller, of a speed rusher, put a, put a tight end or back to that side, chip on the way out, make him go the long route around someone uh, and buy yourself a fraction of a second. But I think I've talked about this as well. What that does, especially for zone coverage, disrupts your pass pattern. You're not getting a back or a tight end out in the route to affect the linebacker to pull them in coverage so that the upfield route comes open behind it. So the, it, it's just such a guessing game. Uh, you got to mix those things up, whether it's extra men in protection, whether it's quick passing game, uh, whatever it is there. And the, the, the thing I always went to is a phrase we call multiple launch points. Um, move the pocket, not, not necessarily sprint out, but just half boot, pull up, uh, slide protections, straight drop back protections. Um, then you run your bootlegs and, and movement stuff too. You, you can't be in the same spot all the time, seven yards behind the seven, the center. You will get beat up. You have guys in your face. You'll get balls tipped and you will have bad things happen up the field. Uh, I, I just, for me, uh, watching Super Bowl has kind of always been a unique thing because I, I love the, the idea of setting up the, the tailgate in the living room and, and just loving to watch a game. But I'm, I'm going out to Super Bowl this year. Uh, I go out pretty much every year. I very rarely get to sit in the living room and watch it. I got a flight football game that I play for Wounded Warriors. Uh, we're down at Pepperdine. And 
it's something I do with uh, Profile Sports every year. And this is our 24th year, I believe, doing this. So I get to go out and pretend I can still throw it around a little bit with a bunch of NFL guys, young guys, and, and sling the football around. Looking forward to going out to L.A. and hanging out for about four or five days and doing a bunch of events and getting into the Super Bowl mix. Uh, I will not be going to the stadium, though. That becomes a six-hour interview. For anyone that's a former player that goes into the stadium, you get your ear talked off. <laughs> so uh, I prefer to sit and watch the game somewhere with friends, and it's it's going to be an exciting day for me. I'm looking forward to it. And my guest this week, former L.A. Ram, Eric Dickerson, uh, amazing talent, amazing, different-looking running back. He was a guy that had – 2,000-yard season, all-time rushing mark, all that stuff that he did in his, his rookie, his first two years in the league were absolutely unbelievable. And uh, But he had a different look to him. He was taller. He was leaner. He, was gl he glided. He, he ran upright, but his change of direction was still there. Uh, absolutely amazing, amazing running back, one of the all-time greats, Eric Dickerson, coming up. Well, my guest today is Eric Dickerson. This is a guy that's my era from college days, uh, guy that I grew up watching with the Pony Express and just had a different style, almost looked like a different style, a little bit upright because he's a taller guy that was a, I mean, you look like a track star running down the field and it just was amazing to watch this guy glide and for a guy his size to be able to cut, move and do the things he did with the football in his arms. It was a joy to watch, and I uh, just want to thank you for joining me, E. And uh, how's things going now? What are you up to? Uh, everything's good, you know, just uh, here in L.A. Um, I do, we do a radio show every Monday during the football season called Football Mondays. I also mm -hmm. work for Fox, uh, you know, part-time, also doing uh, Skip and Shannon. I work for the team, work for the Los Angeles Rams, uh, vice president of business affairs over there. And, uh, you know, life is good, I can say, after retirement. <laughs> So you still I, close? I, 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 I got to tell you this: we, we played y'all down in uh, New England, and you were with the Patriots, mm -hmm. and I'll never forget it. We had to, we thought we had the game won. It was like ah, left about a minute left in the game, and you did a bootleg and ran in for a touchdown. I'm like I be damn, <laughs> so he getting us too. So you know, I, I got to tell you, man, it was fun watching you play. Also, hey, thanks a lot. That was I, I remember that was a big day for me because it was my first real opportunity to get on the field with New England and. Uh, yeah, I ran a naked boot. Now, I'll tell you this yeah, about that boot. play. Naked boot, right? We're third and one or something, and Grogan kind of suggested it, and I was thinking the same thing. Let's run the boot. And I had the ball – I don't know. I had the ball in one arm, and as I, I was slanting towards the pylon, I shifted the ball to the other hand just in case I, I was going to get hit. Mm -hmm. I bobbled the ball as I was crossing the goal line and ran out of bounds in the end zone. And in my mind, in my mind, I turned and looked at the officials. The officials' arms went up. Touched. In this day and age, they might have reviewed that. Oh, they would have reviewed it. It might have been a fumble and your ball out at the 20-yard line. Just saying. Uh, yeah, man, because y'all gave us all kind of problems. But anyway. What so I you're with the Rams. Uh, how exciting has this been? How, uh, what's the, the feeling, the vibe, all that? Well, the vibe here in Los Angeles, I mean, it's great because, I mean, this is kind of what we expected. You know, you don't, you can't, you can't say for sure that you're going to be in the Super Bowl or you're going to make the playoffs, but this is what they expected with this football team. I mean, I got to say Les Snead and, and Stan Kroenke and, and John, I mean, it's, they went all out to get the players that they got, you know, and they got, they got a plethora of players. And so, you know, 
uh, it paid off. I mean, I, and I'm, I'm a big believer in, you know, that if you get proven, if you got a proven product, these draft picks, you know, these draft picks, they don't always pan out. Like, oh, well, you don't have any number ones. Look, number one draft picks don't always pan out. So if you got a proven player, proven product from another team, you come in, like we bought in Von Miller, uh, you know, and so another player we bought in Matt Stafford, I think was the, was the big game changer that really, and I kept saying that, you know, no offense against, you know, our former quarterback, Jared Goff, but I kept saying he's not the guy. And and, and I said, I'm not a quarterback, but I know what my, what my you know, you know football, you, but my eye test is telling me not the guy. It's going to take us where we need to be. Even though we got there with him, you know, we played the Patriots. And even in that game, I kept saying, it's not the guy, it's not the guy, not the guy. And I like Jared, nice, nice guy. But, man, when we got Matt Stafford, I was excited because Matt Stafford reminds me a lot of uh, – Brett Favre, he does with that with that gunslinger mentality. Uh, he's tough as hell. You know, he's going to play hurt. And I'm really happy for him because I get tired of people talking about, ah, he's never won a playoff game, never won a playoff game. And, you know, playoff games in football is funny, man. You know, it's, it's not always your fault, you know, but they blame it on you. I mean, seriously. I mean, you know what that's like. They blame a loss. I'm like, I don't play defense. I don't, I don't cover punts, you know, but they blame it on you. So. I'm glad to see him get his three playoff wins and, you know, and possibly get a Super Bowl win. You know, I, I looked at, you know, watching the playoffs, seeing it all through. One of the stats that stood out to me. Now, he spent his entire career with Detroit, right? Losing right. franchise, fighting his tail off to get things done. He is fourth all time in comeback wins in the fourth quarter. And I, I had well, never heard that. Now, I thought it, you know, you always, you have a lot of memories of his, let, you know, throwing whatever, making plays at the end of games and winning. And that kind of stood out to me that, hey, he was in a situation that wasn't the best situation and he was still fighting his tail off all the way to the end. It's the Cincinnati Bengals and the LA Rams in Super Bowl 56. Hi there, everybody. This is Lindsay Rhodes. And if you want analysis for every angle of this exciting, surprising, legacy-defining matchup, you're going to love my podcast, The NFL Roadshow. Our guests and conversations aim to make you a savvier football fan. We're going to cut through the lazy narratives, and there are a lot of them. The low-hanging fruit, none of that. If you want to be the smartest person at your Super Bowl party, please subscribe and listen wherever you stream your podcasts. New episodes up every Monday and Thursday. I want to get to this before you know, we run out of time later. Uh, you got your book coming out, or actually out January 18th, Watch My Smoke. Uh, tell us a little bit about it. Well, it's a book about, about my life, you know, my life, and not, not just as, as an NFL player, but just my life in general, how I was brought up. Uh, I, was, I was legally adopted, you know, my great, great unadopted. A lot of people didn't know that. Uh, I carry the name Dickerson because of my, my, you know, my adopted parents, my adopted mom and my dad. And uh, my dad was the best man I ever knew. He passed away in 1977. I still remember the date, November 3rd, 1977. Mm. My mom passed away. I uh, can't remember the exact date, but it's, it was uh, in, when he went to Hall of Fame. He actually went to Hall of Fame in 2000. But, you know, it was just, it's, it's a book about everything. You know, my life in the NFL, college, you know, how, how people sometimes make these judgment calls on people. And, I, and I've been victim of that a lot. You know, people make a judgment call because of what they heard. And the funny thing is just happened the other day. I'm listening and listening to a guy. Talk, I won't say the guy he was talking about. He said, yeah, man, I heard he's an ass and this and that. And my friend Bob's friend said it because he met him before. And I, and I asked him, I said, man, I said, ask you a question. Have you ever met him? He said, no. I said, so you making a judgment call with somebody else said. He said, well, yeah. I said, that's wrong, man. I said, I've been big. He said, Eric, he said, you're right. I said, because I've always liked to meet people. I mean, because you don't know what a person, you don't know how a person no really is. 
and it's and it's just so wrong how people make these judgment calls sometimes off of one meeting or or or, or what someone else said. So my book covers a lot, uh, Doug, a lot of, of my life, and uh, and I mean I can say I'm very proud of it. Uh, the writer Doug, I mean uh, Greg Hanlon did a great job on it. I mean it sounds just like me. I did the audio book a few weeks ago, so I'm waiting for that to come out, and that's hard too. <laughs> <laughs> Man, that was hard. Did you but, uh, yeah. the audio book? Did you read script or did you uh, just go off the top of your head and tell a story? No, I read the book. You read the book. You read the book right out. You read, read the book right out. And, and the thing is, is that it's certain things. Because I wanted to do it because there were certain things in that book that a reader wouldn't know. Like he wouldn't know how to the, the inflection in his voice. Like like I won't forget when I first met Howard Cosell. I mean, I want Howard Cosell to do my my game so bad on a Monday night. You know, being in college and say that's Howard Cosell, <laughs> and we we played the Atlanta Falcons. Elevated door opens, and we're in Atlanta, and that he stands and he said, you know, he says, Eric Dickerson, how's it going, Eric? And I'm like, how's it going, Howard? He said, let me ask you a question, Eric. And I did that in the book, you know. And he said, I said, mm-hmm. I said, what is it, Howard? How did you and Craig James split time at SMU? <laughs> and I said, well, I told him how we did. He should thank his lucky stars. <laughs> you know, it was just, it was just, it was just so many stories like that that you know I wanted to do myself. And talking about my my mother and my father, you know how I felt about them, and and you know I just felt that I need to do that. Uh, it, it's it's I you know obviously being that same year, and I remember the Pony Express days and and seeing you and Craig, and and I worked with Craig for a number with of Craig years. Craig with Craig, yeah. Um, you know, there was this, I don't it just had an image of Eric Dickerson running the ball. And you're, you know, a little taller, you know, you, you got the goggles on, you got the neck roll. It's just a completely different look for a tailback. And then you would run like the way, you were a track guy. Was that your background? Yeah, I was a track guy. I, 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 I love football. Football was my first love, but I ran track. I love track too. Track, track and field was my thing in football. I ran 100, I won 100 in the state in Texas, 100 and 200. And you know, in Texas, you gotta be fast. You know, and I and I, I, I took I, t- I took pride in my speed. I mean, a lot. I mean, and so yeah, I was I was a track guy. Yeah, well, I you know I go back obviously, and I remember the two thousand yard season. Now, guys, Eric ran for eighteen hundred as a rookie, twenty one hundred the next year. In his first seven years, averaged hundred yards a game, over hundred yards a game for seven years, which is absolutely ridiculous nowadays. What do you, I, I mean? Didn't you? I love, I'm trying to draw, draw a comparison between that era and now where guys, I mean, the 2000 yard mark is never going to be reached again. They're not going to have those numbers of carries. Didn't you love carrying the ball more and more as the game went? Oh, for sure. I mean, that, that was my thing. I mean, I was built for that. I was built to run the ball. I mean, as big as tall as I was, people thought I got hit in the chest. Nah, that was rare. Um, I, I could see in the, in the defense when you when you start running the football, you could see the wear down on what, what the toll is taking on. And you you hear him talking to each other, man, make some tackles up there, man. He get to the second. I'm not supposed to be tackling back in the secondary. <laughs> He's like, oh yeah, you know, we we got him going. And that that was that was our motto, especially at the Rams, was just to run the football, run the football, and play great defense. And you know, you don't see that much anymore. I mean, you don't see the good. You, you don't see you don't see the guys want to carry the ball maybe 15 times, catch six passes, but. You know, I carried about 32 times one week, 30, 30 times the next week, 25 times the week after. I mean, I think my first my first season, I think I carried about 390 times. Uh, carried, and I think I caught 51 receptions that, that same year. See, with the passing game, see, that's the, the, the trade-off now is 
they like a smaller tailback. They we can we can pop out there wide and run like downfield routes or upfield route, whatever, and be versatile. Get some matchups like that. You know, in our area, the running back was flats and screens and little angle routes, and that was about it. Would you rather be in an era where you carried it thirty-five times a game, or maybe have a little longer career carrying it for? You know, I think that's the argument is that they sub guys in and try to prolong their career. What do you think? It don't, it, it, it doesn't prolong your career. I mean, cause you know, you know, the, the, what does I know football, you get one hit, it could be over. I mean, it really mm-hmm. didn't. I think I didn't miss my first game to my seventh year. So the running the ball really didn't take a toll on me. I mean, I just, we didn't have, I never played with a, with a great quarterback. I mean, I had my best quarterback. I played was Vince Ferragamo and he was a really good quarterback. So if I'd had a quarterback in my first year, that's when I had the 51 receptions. Cause he looked to me a lot, you know, check down, he said, check downs, flat routes, swing routes, uh, angle routes, you know, and and no, that still works today. It does. I mean, it, it still works. It still works today. I mean, if you're a bigger back and you can catch the ball at the backfield, it's a plus because think about it. If I'm six foot three, I'm two twenty five. I'm going against DBs that are like one seventy five, one eighty, and I'm I catch the ball at a running start. Back then, I, I love that. I used to love it. I'm like, oh yeah, these guys don't want to tackle. Not at all. I, and that's something I never. Ha- yeah, my my thing was always I had to avoid anybody. So if anybody got just a hand on me, I'm going down. I'm just dropping to the ground. It's over. No one, my journey is over. Protect the ball. I never had that feeling of power and running through. Are there any backs out there today that you love watching? Oh, it's it's a, it's a lot of backs I like to watch. I mean, I mean Derrick Henry and and and, um, and Tennessee for sure. I mean, I he's I mean he's, he reminds me not of myself. He's just a big, big guy, you know, and he's faster mm-hmm. than what you think he is. He's a punisher not afraid to get hit. And you can see those DBs like, hey, man, you know, what is he doing back here? We shouldn't be able to tackle him back here. Uh, I still like watching Zeke play. I mean, I mean, Zeke is a guy I like watching play. Um, you know, it's just, you know, the thing is, Doug, it's not the the plethora of backs that it was in, in, my, in our era. It's just not, you know, it was it was myself. It was Walter Payton. It was Earl Campbell. It was Marcus Allen. You know, it was, a, it, you, could, you could name back after back after back. And now it's just not like that. You know, it's really it's really all about the passing game. Like I said, they have these, these I call them scat backs. You know, they say, exactly. oh, oh, he's 5'11", five, he's, five he's 200 pounds, he's a big back. I'm like, that's a little guy. That's not a big back. <laughs> no offense. <laughs> no, 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 no. I, I hear it. I, I think the same thing. And then they're alternating guys. You got three, especially college level. They got like, I think a lot of the college level thing with the substitution is more they got to promise guys playing time in their recruiting aspect to get these guys on the field yeah. and all that. Yeah. What are you looking for in the Super Bowl? What do you What do you think in matchups or something to really watch? Well, I think the I think the one matchup uh, to look for is our defensive line against uh, Cincinnati's offensive line. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think that defensive line has struggled. I think that's one thing they need to really tighten up to give uh, that young quarterback what he needs because I mean he's a good one. I mean it really is. I mean I, I can't lie. I mean I think he's going to be fantastic for the National Football League. Um, I wasn't a big fan of him going to Cincinnati. I mean, I kept saying it over and over. I said, I like him, man. Great player. I said, but he's just going to a terrible team. <laughs> but if you'd have said, you know, he, two years ago, he'd been in the Super Bowl. I'm like, man, come on. Cincinnati, you've got to be kidding me. you got to be kidding me. <laughs> but, uh, you know, I've I, you know, I got to watch the, the Burroughs matchup, you know, with our, with our secondary. And, um, and Jalen, was, was the receiver Jalen, um, not Jalen Ramsey, our defensive back, but their, their wide receiver, I can't think of his name. Over there, but you know they have a they have a really good football Chase. team. I think a real, I think yeah, Jamar Chase, Jamar Chase. They have a under un, I think a under I think people have underestimated this football team. Just like last week when they played Kansas City. I mean, I know they beat Kansas City early, but nobody thought they'd beat them again. They were down twenty one three. Ah, you know this game is over. 
and just goes to show you how football. That's why you got to play to the to the to the last zero on the clock. And they came back and won that game. We can't take them lightly for sure. I mean, it's, it's not one of those games you take lightly. We haven't played them this year at all, so they don't really know us. We don't know them. But I think the big matchup is going to be the defensive line, the offensive line. Yeah, I agree with you 100. percent That you know, if you can stand there and throw the football, they've got a chance. And they have struggled in their offensive line, and your pass rush is absolutely amazing. Yeah, you were saying two years ago, if you'd said Joe Burrow and the Cincinnati Bengals are in the Super Bowl versus, oh. Matt, versus Matthew Stafford, Stafford, right? So, so what is yeah. that? That's gonna be that's gonna be Detroit and Cincinnati. Right, right. Cincinnati. Right. <laughs> <laughs> one one more time, hit the book. Tell us where we can get it, and uh, you know where to look for it. You can book the book on Amazon. Most bookstores have it. I gotta say, the book is doing extremely, extremely well. I'm very happy about that. I mean, players have read, wrote, read the book. And some of the guys told me, man, Eric, I haven't read, read a book in 15 years. He said, man, it's such an easy read. He said, such a great read. He said, it sounds just like you. And it does. That's the thing I want to sound just like me. When you get to when you get a book writer and you're trying to write a book, you, you want to sound like you. And so, you know, we went to that process a little bit. And guys, some things didn't sound like me. And I just couldn't. I mean, it just wasn't going to work <laughs> to write it. But yeah, so you can get the book in pretty much most bookstores. But I can say, watch my smoke. I'm very proud of the book, I'm, and, and it's it's my my life. Well, if you get me to read a book, it's it's a statement. Okay, <laughs> well, <I> said, <laughs> it is. I better, I, I better get you the audio book. Then. I yeah, think, I, I think, that's I exactly. Think, I, I wish we had had audio. I struggled, man. I, I as a young kid, I struggled reading. It was a fight my whole life. I did very well in school because I was persistent and got after it. But boy, that was that was a struggle. Well, yeah, I, I want to thank you for your time. That's uh, so much fun, and I really. Uh-huh you know, idolize this guy that stood up straight, ran like the wind, glided, really reminded me of, you reminded me of Gail Sayers in the glide aspect and then that big <laughs> physical runner too. So loved watching okay. you play and uh, congratulations with the Rams. Wish you guys all the best. Hey, Doug, thanks, man. I love watching you play too. Hey, <laughs> congratulations on everything. Yeah, I appreciate it. Thanks a lot. Okay, man. All right, Good luck care. with the book. All right, thank you. <laughs> Let's move on and take a look at what's going on out in the Twitter world. Uh, Cliffy, you got some questions for me out there on Twitter? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Question number one. Rams are favored, but Burrow seems to thrive whenever doubted. Just ask Ohio State. What are your thoughts on that? You know, it's I think his confidence through the week and the interviews and the way he's carrying himself. Really, how that influences the game, I'm not sure. But it definitely gains confidence in your fan base to think this guy's ready. This guy's going to make a difference. I still think when it comes down to it, the defensive line of the Rams controls this game and they dictate uh, the outcome of this game. Um, so I, I, I believe the Rams should still be favored. I, I don't count anybody. I, like I played, I said this to a friend the other day, I played for 21 years and I always you have no idea what the outcome of this game is. You have games where you think you're going to walk in and throw for 500 yards and score 40 points and you squeak out a 13 to 10 win. You have days where you're like, how we played the Chicago bears back in new England after they had won the super bowl and they had that great defense and we didn't know what we were going to do protections wise. And we couldn't handle these guys in the bear front and the 46 defense. And they didn't have, we, we blow them out. I throw four touchdown passes. We blow them out. It's like, I, you never know what is going to happen. And, uh, you know, so you don't count people out. But if you look at the, guy, the matchups, I think you have to favor the Rams. All right. This is from Colin Earl Brown. Hey, Doug, 
CFL free agency starts tomorrow. Which team do you think will get the best out of the market? Um, I don't know the CFL real well right now as far as personnel and, and what's going on up there. I will tell the American public that it, when, when I was playing, okay, the rookie Canadian kid that came in that usually was a special teams type guy and maybe played a little slot back made $29,000 a year. All right. The, the high paid receivers were up around 80,000. People would leave one team to another in free agency for an extra three grand. Okay. Stuff that the American public cannot imagine. No, not 3 million, $3,000. They would leave one. You know, now you're leaving a city where your kids are in school and you're going to go over to another one because they offered you an extra three to $5,000. So that's kind of yeah, now, you know, that we're talking 20 years ago. So let's fast forward actually probably closer to 30 years ago. So that's for maybe it's a difference in 15 to 20 grand, but still uh, it's, it's a different world in the CFL free agency compared to NFL free agency. All right, next question. Does the Matt Stafford story feel like Anthony Covillo 2009 Grey Cup? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. No doubt about it. Uh, for those that don't know down here, Anthony Covillo played for years in the CFL, uh, had a phenomenal career. I think he retired as the all-time leading passer. I do not know that for a fact. Uh, but Anthony was young when I was kind of finishing up in the CFL, and he played in Montreal at that point. Um, yeah, it's the guy that everyone roots for. It's the guy that moves to a team that gives them an opportunity to win a championship as an older player. And, you know, we've seen this in the NFL that, and, and not necessarily in Matthew Stafford's position where he went from a team that was a, a perennial losing franchise to, to having an opportunity to win it. But, uh, you know, we've seen guys at the end of their career, whether it be Peyton Manning or Tom Brady move to another team and, and still win a Super Bowl. This is a guy that, uh, now has an opportunity to do it for the first time, and he's taking advantage of it, Matthew Stafford. Ooh, ooh. All right. This is from B underscore Bobbier three. Who will win the Super Bowl next year and in two years? Uh, the team that scores the most points in that game <laughs> and the team that fights through the playoffs without getting injured. I have no idea. You can't look down the road. I can't look down the road and pick that. Um, I'm sure the Vegas guys are all over this stuff. Uh, I think when you look – I, I still think Buffalo's in a position to make a run, although they, you know, I, I like Buffalo right now to, to have a shot at one of these Super Bowls, the way Josh Allen played this playoff. So I'm going to, I'm going to go with Buffalo winning one of those. And this is from Shanley 33. Last question. What are you looking forward to most about Super Bowl weekend? I think more, well, for me personally, my favorite thing at Super Bowl weekend is playing this flag football game for the Warriors. It's a sports profile, uh, sponsored event that is uh, something I've been doing for 24 years. I get to go throw the ball around with some former NFL guys and some, some young NFL guys. Um, and uh, it's something I really look forward to at Super Bowl every week or every year. And uh, we're playing, I believe, down at Pepperdine College. So uh, in the San Diego area, um, it just is a lot of fun for me. And then, then just being around, the, being around the atmosphere. I go out there for four or five days. I do some appearances, do that stuff. And then for the game itself, um, I want to. I I I'm kind of pulling for for a Matthew Stafford uh, Super Bowl championship with with whether he's gone through in his career. So I'm kind of pulling for Matthew a little bit and and hoping he he finds a way to get this done. Well, thanks again, everybody, for listening in, and uh, I'd like to thank my guest Eric Dickerson for joining me. Um, remember, you can get the Flutie Flakes cast on Apple, Pandora, and Stitcher or wherever you get your podcasts. Make sure to rate and review. 
Enjoy the Super Bowl. Stay safe over the weekend. Have a blast with your family or whatever on the couch. And uh, I'm going to say let's go Rams. Serious XM Podcasts.